Hi. Welcome to another episode of Paul's on Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paulson. and today I've got friend of the show, Case Links. He's the CEO of Greenpeak, and uh, we're going to talk some more about the uh, Internet of Things and devices and designs within that space, but I'll let uh, Case lead that conversation. So hi, Case. Welcome to the show. Hey. Nice to hear you again. How are you? Oh, it's always nice to chat with you, Case, because, well, you're one of the leaders in the entire small device movement, you know, with your involvement in the RF space and the leadership that you've given us there. So just to get a chance to chat with you in general is great, but to talk to you in specific about uh, the Internet of Things and some of the things that you've uh, experienced lately is a, is a real treat. Well, and, you know, we've kind of been bumping into some, something when uh, I was kind of attending an, uh, a lecture about big data. And... I kind of realized that, um, you know, actually big data, of course, is big. But uh, when you're talking about the Internet of Things, and uh, we're not talking about big data, we're talking about, we're about, talking about small data, but where big data is big, small data is, is massive. And that's uh, what you think is the next big thing, uh, small data. Mm. Well, that makes, that makes all the sense in the world, case because... Even within a larger intelligent cloud-enabled structure, the individual systems must have high levels of control and accuracy and intelligence for them to function properly as pieces of that larger gestalt, right? Yeah, and, and there I go exactly to the point uh, because, you know, I mean, uh, to make things intelligent, you need, you need data. You need lots of data, and you need the capability to, you know, to correlate data, to, uh, to find exceptions, uh, to basically generate actions, uh, all in a world of uh, small data. But, uh, you know, there is so much data to gather, and uh, what we think what is happening now in the industry is its scale and its uh, capability of managing large amounts of data enables the, the new revolution of small data that we are anticipating for the coming years. I agree completely. You are so correct there, Case, because, well, no, no precision without feedback, right? So that means you need the logic in the system to make the decision to begin with, but then you also need good sensors in place to get that information, plus good uh, DA converters to turn that into the real world. So... In reality, it's almost a analog of a living system now because you've got the sensing data coming in, you've got logic being performed, you've got actions taking place, and then you've got to worry about power management, RF management, uh, software protocols, and all of that on top of it. It's getting to be a very complicated space. Yeah, actually what we, uh, what we see happening right now is that um, a lot of the groundwork has been done but it's uh, getting onto a path of convergence. And, uh, you know, let, let, let me explain and, and give an example of, a, say, a thermostat. Um, you know, people have thermostats in their homes for years. Um, you know, people have, um, um, you know, smartphones. People have um, uh, weather stations to measure uh, outside uh, temperature and whether it rains or not or what the temperature is. Uh, but, you know, all these things are, uh, in a way, um, so far, stand alone. And what is really happening right now and starting to weigh through is that people see how all these things, you know, in a, 
in a, in a certain way can start working together that things start making sense. Well, you, you, you mentioned the word intelligence. You know, let's uh, you, let's use the word start making sense. And, you know, for, for things making sense, you need loads of sensors and you need the capability to... Uh, you know, to do something with it. Uh, and, and that's what we actually see happening. Uh, we think, uh, I mean, we don't want to say that the era of the smartphone is over, but uh, we see at least that the era of the, of the smart home is arriving. Yes. Completely, I agree completely, Case. And, but then it's not just the smart home, it's the smart car, it's the smart store, it's the smart kiosk, it's smart everything. Yeah, and, and, and I think there will be a moment that we get uh, tired of the word smart, but uh, let's stick with it at least for now. Yeah, you can, you can extrapolate, you know, the smart home to, um, you know, to smart buildings, to smart cities, to smart cars, to, uh, to smart everything. What, what is, I think, really happening in, uh, in, in the industry or in society, uh, people are kind of realizing that good data makes better decisions and yes. um, the next the next wave uh, in uh, you know in, in human intelligence but uh, also in human efficiency is you know we we are already making better use of our times today with you know being able to communicate faster and easier and independent of location and day of time um, the next wave is that we can make much better, much more solid decision based on real data. And, uh, and, and that is what is really going to fuel the next wave uh, of the industry. All the, all the little bits and pieces are, are, are there, uh, but with the, world of smart, with the world of small data, this is kind of uh, pulling it together. Great. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. It has to be all together. You know, it, it, it used to be very, very easy to develop a system and even a very intelligent system that was uh, self-standing because there was no external connection expected even. Whereas today, even the, even the dumbest systems have to be connected somehow to an overriding command structure. Yeah, and, and, and um, uh, in a way, you just mentioned the car. In the car, we, we have already a sort of, you know, prototype smart home because... You know, we have a dashboard, and uh, we can control everything from uh, from one location. Um, and, and the car is very convenient. We can open doors and windows, and um, uh, you know, we can see the, the state of the of the gas and um, uh, how much gas we have, uh, and so forth. So, I mean, I would say that is a sort of prototype smart home. But uh, you know, if I'm in my in my house today, and I'm at the front door leaving the house, and wondering whether the the back door is locked. Well, I don't have a dashboard that I can, you know, just look at and say, okay, you know, click, lock the, deck the, the, the back door. Uh, and, you know, that is uh, kind of one of the things that, that we'll be, that we will, we'll be going uh, to in, in, a very, uh, in, in a way that people will experience this as very natural. Yes, it's, it's, yes. It's, it's always qu quite funny, um, but, but I don't know about you, but once technology is accepted, um, people cannot imagine how life was without it. But, you know, the Agreed. struggle that we have to get people to accept new technology, it's just amazing contrast with that forgetting about how life was without it. 
Uh, you, you make a very, very good point. And frankly, your analogy of the automobile is one I've used in the past as well because you're absolutely right. It, it is the perfect um, microcosm and prototype for the future intelligent environment that we are going to have around us that you could already buy um, add-on uh, smartphone-controlled lock systems uh, right now in, in, uh, through certain uh, cable companies. For example, I'm in New York City right now. And right, you could buy a complete whole home control kit. It's a little bulky now, and it's uh, devices that sit on top of your current devices. But within one or two product generations, that technology will be built into each and every one of those devices. And and probably built in a, it's a, it's of one of our cars uh, because you know I can ima- imagine that at a certain moment it will be a standard feature in your car that you can you know control functions in your car with your smartphone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, and then that also brings into questions of hierarchy case, because if you think about that, I, you, let's say you walk into the house on a hot summer day the same time your kid walks into the house the same time the utility decides to dial down everybody's air conditioner by five. You've already restricted your daughter's air conditioner use, but you like to have it a little cooler because you're the man of the house, And but the grid is going to want to change your thermostat setting as well, the intelligent systems in the house are going to have to be able to hire, you know, to understand the hierarchy of all of those command sets as well, because you, there will be cases where they'll get conflicting command sets from different levels of the command structure within the smart system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, you're hitting the, the nail on the head, because if somebody would ask me, um, why, why don't we have smart home today's? You know, our cars are, are, are sophisticated already for quite some time. Central door locking is in cars now for 20 years, and I don't have it in my home. So, so the, the, the real question is, and you're touching on it, you know, what are acceptable, good, uh, pleasant uh, use, user models that people can live with? So, you know, the, the system doesn't get... You know, crazy if uh, I'm arriving at home at the same time as my daughter with different uh, requirements while the utility is turning down the uh, the air conditioning. I mean, th- that is an example of things that need to be kind of resolved into usage systems. I think it's partly, you know, of um, consumers growing up and, and start to understand these systems and how to turn these systems to their advantage. It's also, you know, what software is required to um, to facilitate these systems uh, because, you know, uh, the last thing you want is um, uh, confusion with the consumer that he throws out the system that, uh, that you have carefully prepared for him. Mm-hmm. So... Um, there is there is a lot of work to be done, and the and the work is not RF or uh, what is it uh, a microcontroller. The work is how start people to really um, move from hey this is uh, interesting into um, you know I can't live without it anymore because you know it makes my life so much more convenient, safe, uh, efficient. Uh, Etc. And we have to go through that stage. And you mentioned one kind of conflicting use case, uh, but this is exactly the type of thing that the industry is kind of having to resolve now. All the the core technologies are available. Exactly, I agree with you completely, Case. But then again, like-minded people at this stage, the only logical things to do are these things. Now. 
before we run this uh, talk too long, as much as I love to talk to you, Case, uh, what's going on right now at Greenpeak that, that you're doing to apply these philosophies in your market? Well, we, we are spending a lot of time with operators, and operators have the connections to the consumers, and operators are looking for offering new services because, you know, sometimes we talk about the smart home, but operators don't sell smart homes to consumers. What they do is they sell solutions for, you know, better manage energy, better manage your lighting, for uh, elderly care, for health monitoring. Um, so we are working a lot with operators. We are uh, working a lot with the product vendors to define the products that operators need and that, you know, help to uh, develop this industry. We are working a lot with software vendors that uh, have the software that make these systems work together, including solving conflicting uh, signals like you just uh, like you just mentioned, even turning it around, you know, uh, recognizing conflicting uh, information and sending out alerts. Uh, so you can even imagine that systems can learn from what is normal versus what are exceptional situations and that they know what to do when these uh, exceptional situations occur. So, I mean, there is a lot going on in the industry right now in tying that all together. And I must say it's, it's very exciting at the same time. It's, uh, it's feeling like, you know, we are getting on a, uh, a, a wild ride of a new wave of things that people will really, really uh, you know, cannot live without it anymore. Mm-hmm. And making it up as we go along, Case. <laughs> exactly. That's that's always the challenge, right? I mean, everybody at a certain moment can agree with you what the end game is, but you know, how do you get there? What are the intermediate stations uh, that uh, that get you there? Uh, so that's that's always our challenge. I agree completely, Case. I really do. Now, before I let you go, I always give my guests the opportunity to have the last word. Uh, you could talk some more about uh, the company or your visions or whatever, or it's just a tip to the audience, but this is your chance to say what you'd like, and the floor is yours. Hey, I remember the days that it was very hard to explain to people why Wi-Fi would change the, the world, why Wi-Fi was um, you know, going to make our lives you know, uh, convenient and, and, and more pleasant. And all of a sudden, you know, the market got it. And today, I don't think, you know, we cannot even imagine how life was without Wi-Fi. And the new standard for sensors and for controllers uh, is uh, Zigbee. And we'll have a lot of nodes, controllers, in our house that uh, connect to the internet and measure everything we have in the internet, all Zigbee connected, uh, just like we have Wi-Fi connected today for, uh, for our computers. And with that level of connectivity, we will kind of uh, anticipating a new and different world where in say 10 years from now, looking back, we'll have a hard time to imagine how it was without it. And that's uh, very exciting to, uh, to work on, and that's what we are doing today and the coming days and weeks and, until it's a big success as Wi-Fi is a big success today as well. Uh, and well said, Case, and I agree with you completely. Um, I, although I must admit, 
I think they're going to have to come out with a Zigbee 2 or something because there are some apps in that space that need a little bit more bandwidth than Zigbee can reasonably offer. Uh, actually, um, good point. Zigbee and Wi-Fi are very complementary. Uh, Zigbee right. is for very low power. Uh, Wi-Fi is for very high data rates. Um, the, the, the law of nature, you can't have both at the same time, and that's why uh, Zigbee and Wi-Fi are so complementary. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. Agree completely there. Just wanted to clarify for the audience so that they're on top of, uh, so they're on the same sheet of uh, music as we are. Uh, exactly. And, and in a way, Zigbee and Wi-Fi are, are on the same sheet of music. They're just at a different, uh, at a different bar, um, but they're on the, same, on the same sheet of music, so to say, because you'll, in your home, you will need both. Agreed. Agreed. So, hey, Case, thank you so much for coming, and we'll definitely drag you back in a while to talk some more about this because this is a fascinating space. And since we are all making it up as we go along, as much perspective as we can get on it from as many intelligent minds is always hey. welcome. Thanks, and I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. And I'd also like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Don Power. Have a great day. <laughs>